0: talking as a group on whether gambling was a sin or not and one of the members of the group says well it says in the bible thou shall not gamble like i don't i don't think it does Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? That's Matthew 9, 4. Welcome to Discipleship Conditioning. My name is Daniel Miller. I'm your host. Excited to be here for this Wednesday. It's been a really busy week, a really fruitful week. Uh, God has moved mountains in our lives the month of September and into October. And uh, we are grateful for the things that He has done and manifest in our lives over this last week. So I'm excited to share some of that with you uh, as we move along in this episode and future episodes. And I'm also excited just to share and disciple. Uh, Today we're covering the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew. As a reminder, our mission is to bring together Christians who strive to follow the light of God over the darkness of this world, to renew our mindsets through shared experience and discipleship so we can better love the Lord our God Following his commandments. Start off with a story for you. Um, I reference men's group quite a bit. I've been going to the same men's group for about two years, I believe. Um, my years seem to run together. I do a really good job of remembering what month something was, but not so much what year it was. Uh, but nevertheless, in the spring of whatever year, I want to say February of either last year or the year prior, uh, we talked about gambling as a sin. And uh, it was interesting. If you grow up in certain religions, it's kind of pronounced that gambling's a sin and you should avoid it. But if you go through the Bible, the word gamble or gambling isn't mentioned once in the Bible. And uh, we were talking as a group on whether gambling was a sin or not. And one of the members of the group says, "Well, it says in the Bible, thou shall not gamble." Like I don't I don't think it does. And so we all did our research and found out that it does not say that nor even mention the words but what it did was teach us a deeper lesson on heart issues and take gambling for instance if I gamble away the money that I have set aside for a mortgage because of an uncontrollable nature that's that's a sin that's something that is affecting me like an addiction similar to that of a drug or pornography or whatever the case is so if i have a gambling problem i probably shouldn't even consider uh, a casual poker game with close friends i had a friend just last night not using gambling as the example but using sin as the example mentioned the door cracked open so to speak where let's say gambling is your issue Uh, It wouldn't be wise to sit in a room with the door cracked open, because you'll hear what's going on in the next room. Next thing you know, you're right up against the door. A little after that, your ear is in the opening of the door. Then you're peeking in the door. Then all of a sudden, you're opening the door so you can get half of your body through and trying to see what's going on. Next thing you know, you're on the other side of the door, and you're amidst in sin and sin is so interesting because it can be so many different things for so many different people and for me as I've mentioned before I think of it most as idolship. for me I, I don't have a problem with gambling I don't and so for me I can use a situation like a neighborhood poker game as an opportunity to glorify God in a way that someone else couldn't in fact I do I have a group of friends that I've known for well over a decade, close to two decades at this point. And uh, over usually two different houses, they will have poker tournaments that will go for about three or four months and then have like an end-of-season tournament sort of thing. And for the last year, I think it's been right about a year, as I've gone to those, two two seasons basically, I walk in with my Bible underneath my... uh, my shoulder there in my arm and uh, I have this Bible this study Bible here that I keep at home in this office and then I have a thin line condensed version with no commentary of the same Bible the ESV version and I have one in each of the vehicles and so no matter which vehicle I take I arrive and I grab my Bible put it under my shoulder and I walk in with it sometimes I open it up and read it um, Sometimes I'll ask someone about a verse, what their favorite verse is, those sorts of things. But I think everyone listening would be really surprised at how often it's led to really fruitful conversation. And there's no doubt about it if I had not have brought the Bible in with me, it wouldn't have turned out that way. And you know, my mindset, as I'm communicating with you, surrounded by technology, If I can take my smartphone with me, I sure as well can take my Bible with me. And that has grown from just a poker thing to really everything. In fact, it kind of started as a 30-day challenge. I decided that I was going to take my Bible everywhere I took my smartphone. And then at the end of that month, I had a poker game. And that was the first instance that I was really challenged, like, oh... Am I going to take it here? And I knew as soon as I thought those words that, yeah, I was taking it there. Because otherwise, I had no business being there if I wasn't willing to take my Bible with me. And, uh, you know, I can provide instances of sin that I do struggle with in areas where I have complete avoidance. I talk about that in some of the earliest episodes. And so Bible or no Bible, I choose to just avoid those areas. Uh, maybe one day I'll be at a level of maturity that I can put the Bible under my arm and I can go to those areas the way I do with poker. Uh, But I'm not there currently. And it's just in everyone's best interest that I avoid those areas. And uh, so I do. And so I'm certainly not suggesting that if gambling is an issue for you that you should take these practices into play. But um, maybe I'm challenging you. Maybe I'm challenging you to your own 30-day challenge that will hopefully turn into like a 60-day and a 6-month and just a normal thing like it did for me. I would assume you have a smartphone. You might be listening to this podcast through your smartphone right now. And uh, if you are, where do you take that smartphone? The answer is probably just about everywhere. And if that's true, can you not take your Bible with you? I'd love to have further conversation with this. Um, in fact, if you need a Bible, I'd be happy to order one for you. Just email me and I'll send you a Bible. Be happy to do that. And uh, our email for this podcast specifically is podcast at discipleshipconditioning.com. Let's get into our study of Matthew 9. We'll start with verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And that's Matthew 9, 9. What sticks out to me is simply follow me. It doesn't sound like there was any doubt to it. It didn't sound like there was any period of contemplation. It was Jesus calling one of his disciples to be out asking them to follow him, And he said, okay. Grabbed perhaps a few belongings and left the tax booth and followed him. Matthew 8 and Matthew 9 really challenged my faith because there are so many instances as we'll talk about and as we talked about last week where people just believed so much more so than the majority of people believe today. And they just did. There was no questions asked. Let the dead bury their dead. We talked about that last week or the week before. It's just fascinating to me how in this book of Matthew it's depicted over and over again. That level of faith. It's, it's so inspiring. I love how little doubt there is for these individuals to follow. And to just believe in healing. And believe in Jesus. know I kind of equated it's perhaps a silly example although our marriages are built off the foundation of Jesus and the church so maybe not too far-fetched of an example but I'm reminded of when I married my wife and uh, prior to meeting my wife I was one of those individuals that would probably roll their eyes if you told me that you were married in six months or even less than a year but I married my wife less than a year after meeting her and when you know you know and my experience with Jesus is very similar tried it my way a whole bunch of times it didn't work but when I found Jesus I knew that this is a lifetime endeavor and this is the right path next verses that we'll cover are from Matthew 9 verses 10 through 13 not sacrifice for i came not to call the righteous but sinners again that's matthew 10 excuse me matthew 9 10 through 13 this is profound and we could do an entire bible study on uh, these four verses here the first part that sticks out to me in our brief discussion here in podcast format uh, is jesus reclined it table in a house Um, i don't know about you but if i'm going to recline somewhere i'm probably pretty comfortable and so here he was at his local poker game if you will uh, with tax collectors and sinners and he's comfortable in that environment next part is they said to his disciples it almost sounds in reading this that there was a level of gossip occurring even though jesus was proximal to them They were talking to the disciples, not to Jesus. In fact, earlier in the chapter, it talks about where he knew his thoughts, he heard his thoughts, and he announced to him. So it wouldn't have mattered if he was proximal or not. Uh, Jesus knows what the Pharisees are thinking and what they're saying in that moment in time. But Jesus answers them he answers them those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick go and learn what this means I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous but sinners Jesus answered that it doesn't mention whether the disciples had a partial answer before Jesus interjected but it does say that Jesus answered them this reminds me of gossip in fact on Sunday at church Our pastor there introduced the definition of gossip that he'd learned from one of his mentors, one of his old college professors. And I think it's a really good definition that we should pass forth. And it's not so much a definition as it is uh, sort of a check mark, I suppose. I'm I'm not thinking of the the most eloquent way to state that at the moment in time, but basically there's two things. Are you part of the problem? And the second thing, are you part of the solution? And if the answer to those two questions is no, and you still choose to talk about it, that's gossip. And I really like that definition. Here the Pharisees are sort of announcing and questioning the disciples something that they're not a part of from a problem standpoint, which it wasn't a problem to begin with, as well as a solution standpoint. So they're essentially gossiping behind Jesus and Jesus interjects directly to them. Like most families, especially big families, my family has a problem with gossip. I see it all the time. And I really need to bring up verses like this to do my best to combat it and uh, and find out what truly is at our heart with this and why, the, why we feel the need to talk about things that we're not a part of from a problem or a solution standpoint. And I'm very thankful for the passing of that definition downward on Sunday so I can share it with you and really marinate on it as I move forward and try to have the healthiest relationships with family members and friends that I possibly can. So please, that definition, those sets of two questions did not come from me but please pass it, pass it onward because I think it is a good way of determining what is gossip. And the last thing for this section here is go and learn what this means. Here specific, specifically we have Jesus saying to the Pharisees and I believe directly to us as well, go and learn what this means. So what, what does it mean when he says those who are well have no need for a physician but those who are sick? Well, in the most literal terms, if you're healthy, you don't go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor when you're sick. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Sacrifices occurred in the Old Testament. He desires mercy. He's here to help. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, there's a lot of irony in that for me because we're all sinners. So even though he's pointing out to the Pharisees who saw themselves as righteous even though they weren't he's saying I'm not here for you I'm here for uh, the people who are sinners by even your definition now the irony there is he was there for them he's there for everyone but there has to be a level of understanding that we need him right? there was a period of my life where I, I don't think I ever would have told you that I don't need Jesus but I certainly acted that way, as if I didn't need Jesus. And there was a specific period of time in my life where it was a stark contrast, where I I, I I practically yelled out that I need him. And we all have to get to that point some some point in our lives, whether you're five years old or 105 years old. We all have to get to that point to where we emphatically Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We take our free will, and we select yes. Matthew 9, 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And she will live is the part that sticks out to me, and it's actually going to tie in with uh, two verses later in the profoundness of the faith so let me just jump forward to that matthew 9 20 through 21 and behold a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment for she said to herself if i only touch his garment i will be made well i will be made well what profound faith is this again matthew 8 and 9 specifically for me are really screaming out depth of faith. I mean you have a king or a ruler it says pardon pardon me, not a not a king, but it says a ruler. Perhaps some translations say king, I'm not sure. But a ruler that came in and he just had the ultimate belief that if Jesus laid his hand on her, she would be fine. And then A woman who believed, if I can just barely touch the fringe of his garment, I will be made well. Now, we see here that it was their faith that made them well, as it's stated throughout this chapter. But how do we get to that level of faith? Are we to that level of faith already? Are we letting too much secular influence come in and tell us that we're crazy and that if we don't believe... Uh, everything science tells us and everything society tells us that we're a wacko. Um, I don't know, maybe. And if so, I know that that's certainly getting in the way to have this level of faith. This is almost unfathomable. It's, it's truly inspiring and amazing. And like many verses throughout Matthew in these last nine weeks or so, it is certainly causing me to reflect and I think reflection is a good thing. Matthew 9 29 then he touched their eyes saying according to your faith be it done to you. Again we're talking about the faith but the way it's phrased there really impacts me personally. According to your faith be it done to you. Uh, there's another section of scripture that says something along the line, uh something along the lines I'm paraphrasing dramatically here but those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with a lot. Here it's saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And I know this is a specific example with two men who are blind. But the statement really barks out at me. According to your faith, be it done to you. I think it goes along with that free will. We have the choice to say yes and have faith. And the choice to say no and live our lives the way we see fit and according to to our level of faith, regardless of what choice we make, be it done to you. And spend eternity with God or eternity in the lake of fire. According to your faith, be it done to you. Matthew 9:36 through 38 When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest that's matthew 9:36 through 38 sheep, sheep without a shepherd i think we've all been lost right we've all been those sheep seemingly without a shepherd Maybe we're in the midst of selecting yes or no with our free will and we're just simply lost. But once you select yes, it's now time to disciple. We're called to disciple because there are a lot of lost sheep out there. As I've mentioned many time and time again, if you're not a part of a men's group or a women's group, please find one. If you're not discipling someone, please find someone. If you need discipled, please find someone. And if you can't on any of those levels, email us, and we would love to disciple you. We would love to be discipled by you, for that matter. The last part, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There is such an opportunity. The harvest is plentiful. There are opportunities out there galore a vast array of opportunity how can we be a ray of light in that opportunity to show people what it's like to be a Christian and to point people in the right direction to follow Jesus I believe that's what Matthew 9 is calling us to do I believe many sections of the gospel in the bible are calling us to that but here I think it's directly pointed as we've mentioned time and time again we are self-sponsored biblicalanatomy.com is our new website we actually own four websites and they all are pointed towards the same area in fact if you type in biblicalanatomy.com it'll actually take you to error at physiology.com which is our old domain and sometime in the next few weeks or so that'll be changing but regardless of which of our websites you enter in your search bar uh, it'll take you to the same spot so we're transitioning as we have been from era physiology to biblical anatomy academy Uh, you hear more about that on mondays through the biblical anatomy podcast if you haven't listened to that please do so Um, ratings and reviews are are very much appreciated and needed at this point in time If you'd like to come in contact with us and just develop a relationship and uh, see what we're doing, emails are appreciated. Whether there's something that you want to talk about specifically in one of the two podcasts, uh, they're always considered and we appreciate reading them. Our email address is in the show notes of either podcast specific to that podcast. Either way, you'll get a hold of us fairly quickly. Tips and referrals are necessary to keep this going. Uh, There's going to be an equipment upgrade with a new microphone and uh, a number of other things probably amount to to get the microphone positioned a little bit differently. Perhaps some video equipment and software as well. And so that tremendously helps with that. And uh, again, referrals to people that would find benefit in the podcast and reviews are very, very helpful. And beyond that, if you want to understand more about how your design, the way God made you, how it's biblical, please check out the courses that we offer at Biblical Anatomy Academy. Take-home message, how can you disciple to the plentiful harvest? Opportunities are vast, they're there, how can you contribute? If you feel as though that you aren't there yet, that you haven't had that pivotal moment in your life to say yes or no to the free will that you've been given and accept God's only son, Jesus Christ, I want you to seek discipleship. And again, we'd be happy to disciple, disciple you and answer any questions that you may have and take you through our experiences in life, which is the goal of this podcast. Yes, a Bible study but also to take you through the experiences that I've had personally and that those around me have had so we can share our story. I have a friend that does another podcast called grit and glory songs and stories, and he shares God's stories on that podcast. I've been a guest on that podcast before a number of people I know have been guests on that podcast and his goal is essentially the same as this podcast We're trying to bring people to Jesus by sharing our life perspective and our stories to hopefully move you in the direction to find Jesus in your life. I pray for that moment for everyone. And I know how beautiful that moment is. And uh, if you'd like to share that moment with us or tell your story, again, you know how to get a hold of us and we would love to hear from you. Let's conclude with the Lord's Prayer.